Hello, and welcome to the Decking Awesome podcast. My name is Owen, and I'm joined by the awesome Kira and Brian. Hello. Hello. Today we are debating silence in board games. Does adding silence to a board game make it better? Sitting quietly in the blue corner, wondering how great silence is, is Kira. Yay. <laughs> Yelling loudly in the red corner, trying to drown out the noises in his head, it's Brian. And much louder, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so each person will get to lay out their argument, then we'll have a friendly debate on the varied issues. So for the opening statements, we'll begin with Brian. Okay, so who realistically wants to sit down and play board games in complete silence? Like, this isn't an awkward work lunch for someone who's just been fired, where you're sitting around trying not to discuss the fact that they're about to leave. This is fun. You know, you sit around, you have a bit of banter, you enjoy games, you talk back and forth. You get games like Monopoly and Risk, where you can strike deals with each other or make alliances across the table right in front of the person you're about to completely wipe out. You know, social deception games where you get just to wildly accuse people for no reason at all, other than you think you might have heard them shuffle on their seat a bit. And like co-op games, you know, working together, strategizing, coming up with the best plan, all that kind of stuff is fun in games, you know, not just sitting there in silence. Plus, if you have people who are relatively new to board games or, you know, someone who's just never played the game before, like imagine you're in the middle of Hanabi and you haven't got a clue what's going on and you know you're not allowed to talk, so you can't just go, what are we doing, guys? Because you know that's breaking the rules. <laughs> so, you know, it, it makes games less enjoyable for all levels of players. Definitely, yeah. This, well, the silence doesn't have to start before the game plays. No, nope. silence from them. You, they walk in the door and that's the last conversation they have. <laughs> great, some, some great statements, Brian. Uh, and to counter this, we have the opening statement of Kira. So I, I love the idea of different types of mechanics, like all different types of mechanics. And I think that actually using some sort of like physical element in the world, like being able to talk or not being able to talk, really adds to the variety of board games in the world. I don't necessarily think every board game should be silent, but I do think that as a mechanic, it's a really interesting one. I also find that definitely our game group can make co-op games seem like a perfectly well-oiled machine. And we fly through some of them. We're just like, we all know what's happening. We all know what we're supposed to be doing. And we just get into it. We finish the game and win and do a great job. And having to do it in silence adds that extra element that kind of ruins the well-oiled machine mechanic and makes the game a bit more of a challenge, which, which is good sometimes. It also stops if someone knows exactly what our best strategy is, it stops that one person taking over the whole co-op board game and like controlling everyone's turns and doing everything for everyone. I think in silence, you have to make some decisions on your own because you can't confer or you can't have somebody just take over and tell you what you have to do. There's no talking. So it it creates kind of a, a better power balance in co-op games. And there is no secrets when we play co-op games. We show our cards to each other. We blatantly tell each other what our moves are going to be before we do them. We have whole discussions about what initiative we're going to have and things like that. And when you can't do that, it makes it a bit more of a challenge because maybe we're too open. We want to work together as best as possible. So we take advantage of sharing. And But not being able to do that does make it a little bit more challenging. And then trying to act like you normally act in it when you're when it's there's complete silence. I'm really bad Just at it, and the I love worst it. Worst poker face ever. 
<laughs> so I and I like I like the the challenge of trying to guess what you'd think that I would do in this situation if I was somebody who wasn't me. What would I think that I would do? I love that overthinking. There's a whole like I had to go down a convoluted rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the last thing that the one of the best things about um, silent games is the conversations that you have when you're trying to figure out what somebody else is thinking. <laughs> so the like the people who can talk if it's one if it's a game with one person not talking. I just I love that. I love like going, well, one time when we were kids and um, this person, you know, associated ice cream with beach balls. So I think that they're thinking beach balls because they like ice cream. And that's what we should think. And like that whole convoluted... I'm, uh, I'm not going to jump into spoilers, but I am going to explain why that is infuriating <laughs> later in this debate. <laughs> Absolutely infuriating. And I so enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, some good points uh, from Kira. Yeah, definitely. Well, just to start off then, uh, Brian, uh, what is your favourite loud game or, or games? favourite loud game? I love the likes of Werewolf. Probably like Werewolf and Koo, I'd say, are two of my favourites. Because... Coup is a great game where you're kind of sitting there and you're accusing everyone of being the duke. Everyone's the duke. And it's like, you can't have the duke because I have two dukes. Oh, I can't say that. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. But it's brilliant because you know everyone's lying, but you also don't know who's lying. And there's just accusations thrown back and forth wildly. And it is brilliant. If you're just sitting there playing the game in silence and you're going, I've got the duke taking the money, assassinate that person. Okay. Now you, okay, you know, yeah, you're assassinating me because you've got the assassin. Okay, yeah, fair enough. It's not, it's boring. It's not interesting. But when you're going, no, you definitely don't have it. You can't have it. You're the fifth person to play the Duke and there's only three in the game. (laughs) Or Werewolf is another amazing one as well because if you want a nice simple game, you can have just like villagers and werewolves and, you know, it's easy for people to get into and it's great to play with when you have people who know each other really well. Like, I don't think I've played a single game of werewolf with you guys where you haven't immediately accused each other of being werewolves. Even when you're both werewolves, you'll just accuse each other outright. <laughs> but it also it also throws in a load of extra roles as well. So you can have like the lovers who are trying to survive together and you can have like thieves and people who know who's getting killed and psychics and stuff like that. And it's it's brilliant because everyone is now playing their own little role, but also everyone is trying to find out who the other person is. And some people have, you know, little bits of knowledge that they can't give away that they know, but they also like the little girl in it who peeks. So she knows exactly who the werewolves are. But if she tells everyone, well, I peeked, I saw who the werewolves are, they're just going to kill her in the next go. They're straight away going to maul her. <laughs> It, it just adds a brilliant element because everyone's accusing each other, but everyone doesn't want to accuse each other. And then if you're being too vocal, everyone turns on you. And it's it's fantastic to just that whole back and forth and banter and going around the table going, you're a werewolf. I heard a little shuffle in your chair very slightly when <laughs> you're doing It's like, yeah, I shuffled in my chair, but that doesn't make me a werewolf. You're accusing me out of the blue. You're definitely a werewolf. And it is just brilliant back and forth, especially in a pub around or after a few drinks. Everyone is <laughs> a werewolf. Yeah, Werewolf and Coup are really good social games. Lots of accusations being thrown around. It requires good communication. And you can put yourself into a very bad position and get caught up in your own lies. So yeah, a lot of really, really cool things. Kira, what is your favorite silent board game? So Magic Maze is my favorite silent board game. I really, really enjoy the fact that you have to work together because everyone can only go in one direction. And so there's no way of getting around it. And 
you get to kind of guess what everyone is going to remember or what people are paying attention to. So if you're moving some guy along and everyone isn't focused on moving that same guy or they're getting distracted by other guys, then you have to find a way to focus people or you have to get on board with whatever they're doing. So there's kind of like a little power struggle that is all done silently on which character gets to be moved first and quickest. And then um, some people are trying to do all the characters at once, but that just means that they're forgetting about things. So you have to like compensate for that and get people to focus on like each of the different elements. I love that sort of uh, idea that that all of that power struggle about which characters are going to get moved is all happening completely silently. And I know there's a kind of a an attention token or whatever, but like that has never worked. Like people have banged that down in front of other people I've seen in games repeatedly and still had no effect on what that person is doing or they haven't noticed anything. I, I will concede at this early point in the game or the debate that that little do something token is the most beautifully little passive aggressive thing that has ever been added to any <laughs> game ever where you're waiting for someone to do something and you've moved it in front of them and they're still not doing it. So you're just picking it up and banging it on the table in front of them <laughs> trying to get them to figure it out. It is fantastic. I will give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think the passive aggressive nature of it is exactly what I was focusing on. <laughs> More that it's a, it's, a, it's a different style of communicating. So it's a different way to, to get people focused. Just you have to work together. It's so much harder to work together while silent. And that just adds a really good challenge because you don't want a board game to be too easy either. And the, the characters are pretty fun. And the whole idea of the game is like, it's so frantic. So it's all like speed and you only have this long. And are you going to go for the time token? Because if you're if everyone's not going to go for the time token, you don't have like an agreed way of deciding if you're going to go for the time token, then you, you're going to get stuck or people are going to move the same character back and forth, which has happened in games. <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like silent board games, the best kind of fun you can get out of it is the when a plan comes together kind of feeling that the whole group gets. Is that the most fun thing about silent board games, Kira? I love that element of it. it it's only a small piece of it, though, I guess. I think the, the communication is, is like the really big thing. It is really enjoyable. Like I think in Crew, what we were playing uh, recently, that one was really about that joy, right? Because in the other ones, you're all trying to work together and you're happy if you complete the objective at the end. But in Crew, it's really about like, trying to put down your cards and hope that everyone gets it. And then when everyone finally puts down the right cards or has the terrible puts down all the wrong cards, you you really, yeah, like in, in I think in the shorter games where there's little bouts of things, that's definitely one, one of the really good feelings. But it's not really infuriating. Like when you're, like you're playing a game and you, put out a card and you're you just like you know what needs to be done and you're playing out the card and you can't just go you need to play this card or and we'll all win you're playing you're playing it out and going just don't play that one card just don't play the seven don't play the seven don't play the seven don't play that and then they just bang out the seven and you're like oh i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna kill you <laughs> but like you know telling everyone what to do just because you think you figured out one way to do it isn't necessarily always the best way to play but i'm always right <laughs> <laughs> I have already won this debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, board games are made of the ups and downs. Yeah, so I think the ups and downs are totally, they're a little bit different. But let's talk a bit more about the like loud games, Brian. Why do you think this kind of, is social communication like the most fun part of these loud games like Werewolf? Yeah, like I, I think 
you know, when you can sit around and have a chat and you can have a bit of fun throughout a game rather than waiting until the game is over to discuss or go, oh, well, I knew that was going to happen or that's really funny or you got away with that. Like, it's it's brilliant. Like, I've, I played a game of Werewolf. Like, one guy was convinced from the start that he knew who the two werewolves were because he'd heard one guy shuffle in his chair and he'd heard another guy exhale through his nose sharply when they were murdering <laughs> the first person. And he was completely right. He was completely right that the two people were both the werewolves and no one would believe him mostly because I was a third werewolf who just turned all the blame on him. <laughs> but like in a game where you can't talk and banter and accuse people and turn it on people and twist it, it it's it's hard to, you know, play games like that where it's great to be able to to sit there and talk to talk about how the game is going throughout the game. Like everyone knows you've got a werewolf floating around your party and you don't know who it is and it's creating all this tension and suspicion and you know ultimately there's no real stakes to it but it's hilarious to watch everyone go well this guy I know this guy is safe there's absolutely nothing wrong with him and then someone else dies like no no it's definitely this guy. I know I said he was <laughs> safe last term but now I'm convinced it's him and just watching people lose their own minds while they're talking themselves in and out of their accusations is brilliant fun. I I think one of the things you're ignoring here is a part of the core part of werewolf is to be quiet for the first bit while the werewolf is, everyone can see the werewolf. So that's still silence as part of the game. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's asleep. (laughs) Everyone's asleep, it's still silence. We don't all snore in our sleep, Kira. (laughs) That's just me, sorry for those of you who haven't spent a night beside me. (laughs) But yes, there's one element of quietness that's immediately followed by a load of accusations because someone didn't keep quiet. Because if everyone stays perfectly quiet throughout the whole thing, then it just leads to a really boring accusation round. You always need that bit of noise and... Yeah, accuse people based on nothing. Yeah, because he's your brother. That's, we all know. Let's just call a spade a spade. That's owns a werewolf or owns secret Hitler or owns part of the resistance. What I do in my spare time is none of your business. <laughs> oh, you talking about board games? Oh, sorry. Um, Brian, you mentioned the fact of how annoying it is in crew when someone puts down a seven and when they shouldn't put down a seven because you can't communicate. It's the same not true for social deduction games where uh, you try and say a lie and it doesn't work. Or you try and accuse someone and because you know that they're the werewolf and then no one believes you. Is that not kind of the same? It tr- it's something you try to do and it just fails miserably. <laughs> or the logic, yeah. yeah. You, you, you say like, you, with the seven, you're saying you have a plan. But where the, oh, I know that this person's a werewolf. No one yeah, but like with the... In, in crew, you're playing a card and you're just sitting there willing someone to play the right card. Whereas in werewolf, you're like, I know that person's the werewolf. And you're really trying to plead your case with the rest of the villagers. And you're like, oh, guys, I know he's a werewolf. I, yeah, I can't explain how I know because I peaked when I was a little girl. But I know <laughs> he's the werewolf and he's definitely the werewolf and we need to get him. And then, you know, everyone turns on you, but you can... You can, like your plan might fail, but you're, you still get banter and enjoyment out of it that you're really trying to convince people and everyone's turning against you and then everyone's turning on someone else. And there's no, like, it's not just sitting there going, please, 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 please. Oh, nuts. It's, oh, I've got this. I, I know, I know. And then there's a load of back and forth and a load of banter. And just like that, that fun frustration of knowing that you're right and everyone else is wrong, but they're going to realize that you're right later. Like with crew, that's just game over when someone plays the wrong card. But with werewolf, you get the vindication later on of going, I told you he was the werewolf. You shouldn't have listened to me. Next time, don't kill the little girl. But there's no logic to, to winning that. It's just kind of trying to be charismatic. There's no like, it's a real personal win. It's not a group win. <laughs> yeah, but you don't you don't get into games for just the logic of it. 
If you did, all you'd ever play is just like chess or solitaire or chess against yourself. Chess is still a board game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's probably one of the most popular board games. Yes, yeah, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's just a logical game. Like you're not, it's not just a fun game. It's also a silent game. <laughs> chess can be fun. Chess can be chess fun. Can be fun. Um, chess is fun. But, but you're right, you're right though. It, 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 is, it is a little bit different than like in chess, knowing how the horse moves and someone heavily exhaling out of their nose. Yeah. <laughs> there is a big gap between rules there and like what's allowed. So Kira, just to move back to the silent games, one thing I've noticed that when I'm playing games like Hanabi or Dixit, it's usually quite fun until suddenly it isn't. Suddenly an, an idea comes up that's too hard to explain too hard to silently communicate and then you start getting frustrated. Have you ever experienced this and what do you think of this issue or is it an issue at all? I think that that is like one of the hardest things to overcome. So I think that's what makes silent games a challenge is like that, that that can happen, that you can have absolutely no way to communicate. Now, I am absolutely the worst at keeping silent in silent games. So I'm probably like, I know I'm pro silent games, but I'm also like terrible at silent games. In Hanabi and stuff, I'll always like try and infer things while I give my direct answer in like the tone of my voice or the way I like nod my head as I say whatever answer I'm giving. And I always do that and I try and stop myself, but I just can't. So, <laughs> yes, so I, I, I played a four, a four. Four. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at that going, that means something, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> I can see his forge written right there. <laughs> but I, I like that. I like that, you know, you have to find a different way to try and communicate things. I think, I don't ever think there's a game where I'm just like, that game, that, that idea is just impossible to, to share. I always find there's some way to share it. Or there's just that roll the dice. Like, you're just hoping somebody's going to figure it out. And figure out the same thing that you figure out somehow, even though they don't have the same cards or they can't see what's going on with your cards. But I just find that I enjoy the the working together element just so much that I would never get as frustrated. And then there's the joy at the end of trying to explain to people what they should have done. Like going, oh, if you had played that, that would have worked out that way. And that, and then you get to chat and banter about it for a while. Yeah, but you, because you're waiting until the end of the game to discuss it, you're not going to remember all the ins and outs. You're not going to get to chat about them as they happen. You're waiting to remember the most important, or the most vivid bit that stuck out for you. So you're discussing your one favorite part of the game rather than chatting the whole way through and getting to go. I don't think there's any game that's that long like, that you could I think I remember. said that was a yellow firework, a yellow <laughs> one. And I said yellow, not yellow, yellow, and you didn't play it. I think you knew what I was saying. Infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like, no game is that long. Hanabi isn't that long that you wouldn't, you'd forget what happened at the start. Yeah, I know. But sometimes when you're just like, I don't even know how you have analysis paralysis when there's, when you don't know what the cards are, but yet people play with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have analysis paralysis in, well, sometimes I do, yeah. But I overtake, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out what people were saying when they said it was a four. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the games that are silent, have there's a lot of probabilities they have to take into account, especially with the crew. We're trying to figure out stuff now. Obviously, you play a lot of easy ones. It doesn't really matter. But once, obviously, you get better and better and better at these games, you can add on the challenge. And it starts getting very difficult very quickly. Now, yeah, when it comes to the communication thing, I remember once uh, playing code names. I was, it was in the same position as this. I was very frustrated with code names. And I was like, hey, I'm losing. Uh, I can't I can't do this. And I just said Batman. This, the Batman oh, fiasco. The Batman incident. Jesus. 
for her. And then for and he was so, losing so badly before the Batman incident. I still maintain they're cheating. I just haven't figured out how they did it. And then uh, Matt, he guessed five. Uh, I think it was like five or four. Five, yeah. Um, yeah, it was five. It was, like, it was like cave and it was like poison and it was like uh, wind. And then afterwards he was like, oh yeah, well, because Bane has poison. And so I picked that. And then I picked this. And because he had to guess all of them. Yeah, he had he to got guess the tr- five of them to win. Like we knew what the last one was. The other team was going to win. I was just like Batman for five. And we're like, oh, we got this in the bag. Yeah. I was like, in that one film, Bane is in a football field for about two minutes of the movie. So I'm guessing football. It's like, yes, that's it. That is absolute yeah. I mean it's a travesty of her <laughs> and now I will say that was phenomenal deductive work by Matt he was on your wavelength and knew exactly <laughs> what you were talking about but I maintain that it's the biggest pile of crap I have ever <laughs> <laughs> but that was like he came from losing badly to winning like I think there was only one left on the other team so it was yeah. one clue yeah yeah and they were every round they were getting pretty well but me and Matt were, just, were not doing anything and then, <laughs> zero for lows <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a pretty big problem with silent games but yeah it can also lead to some pretty cool moments. Brian, sometimes when playing games like a Werewolf and Secret Hitler, it can sometimes become a shouting match where one person is like an alpha gamer. Uh, they take over. Have you ever faced this issue? And what do you think about it? Yeah, I suppose you're right. In, in games like that where everyone's kind of sitting around accusing each other, alpha gaming can become a bit of a problem where, you know, there's one person sitting there going, they're definitely the werewolf. Everyone shut up. They're the werewolf. I'm telling you, let's go. But I feel where games like Secret Hitler, you know, Werewolf, Red Resistance, games like that, where they get around it, is that all the voting is done in secret. So like, if you're sitting there going, I don't agree with this guy, but I can't get a word in edgeways, you can vote differently. You don't have to vote along with them, which is great that, you know, you, you can just ignore the alpha gamer if you want. He might overtake the debate for a little bit, but, you know, if if he is, if he is standing there shouting and everyone ignores him, you know, Bit of slice of humble pie for you. Back in your box, buddy. But also, if he, you know, really railroads the team and he gets everyone to vote the way he wants, and then it turns out that person isn't the werewolf, now they're all going to go, he's totally the werewolf. Even if he isn't, they're all just going to turn on that person. So I think they're games that actually work quite well against alpha gamers because they might get one round, maybe two, where they're quite vocal, but then they're either going to be voted out themselves or... They're going to be just wrong too many times that people just stop listening to them and just turn on them immediately. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. That's not hasn't been my experience of of social games. I think that the alpha gamer can keep talking, like even when he's voted out and told told that he's he's not. They can keep going for rounds trying to convince people. Like some are so persistent and dogged that even the voting system isn't enough. Yeah, like in Werewolf, there is like a storyteller or something like that outside of Werewolf. You can do it without it, but usually the game is played with a person who's telling people to close yeah. their eyes and stuff like that. That person can probably, if there is someone alpha gaming who's dead, they can tell them, <laughs> you know, dead people can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really do that with like resistance and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You know, getting kicked out of a game though, getting voted off the island when you're alpha gaming can be kind of humbling. Yeah. Yeah. But, the, but like by the people aren't supposed to talk when they've been killed. So by the same rules, like if I'm playing you in a game of chess or a game of Hanabi and I look at my cards I'm cheating I'm going to win but that's the same the alpha gamer is cheating if he keeps talking after he's dead oh yeah but in, in like resistance of where they can't die oh well then everyone just turn on them if anyone else is playing if anyone's playing a social deduction game with an alpha gamer just turn on them immediately just <laughs> it can be a tricky one as well because like not everyone is a politician so not everyone has perfect social skills. And uh, one thing I've noticed playing a lot of loud games is the person who talks the most 
gets voted out almost all the time. Yep. People do not like people telling them what to do. <laughs> yeah. So if you have an opinion, you're getting voted off. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of it. Once someone gets too vocal in the games, all it takes is one other person to go, you a bit mouthy over there, trying to hide <laughs> yeah. something, and then boom, all of their good work undone. <laughs> yeah, it could, just, it could just be a single sentence. I think you're the werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone's like, boom, you're voting him off. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. What what do you, what Brian? What do you think about the whole idea of the uh, social games? Obviously, not not everyone's able to like lie as well, or be able to convince other people as well. Is that just part of the game and just something you got to get good at? Like like it can like be. I mean, if you if you are you know a, a wallflower or a shrinking violet or some other flower idiom, <laughs> you don't you don't have to get involved in the you know, debating and the accusations and stuff like that, you can kind of sit back quietly and you can watch while everyone else is being very loud and vocal. And, you know, maybe all it takes is you give it three or four rounds, no one's really paid any attention to you, but you have a good idea of what's going on. You can see the people who are being deliberately quiet and the people who are being more vocal. And the fact that, you know, there's a lot of voting and secrecy in it means you have the chance to to use that to your advantage. I think the likes of those social deception games where there is a lot of talking, you know, if you want to be quiet, it gives you the option to kind of play it like that, that you don't have to be incredibly vocal, but the option is there for you to be. And, you know, when it gets down to fewer people and now the big mouthy players are are all eliminated, now you can chime in if you want. Like, if you're the type of person who doesn't like to talk at all when you're playing board games and you prefer games like Hanabi and stuff like that, you know, maybe we're both not your cup of tea. But the, the option is there to just play a different kind of strategy. Yeah, I suppose. And people might know you as well. And so they can tell if you've changed your personality. So if you do change your personality, it's a good idea that you're probably the werewolf. If you're lying about something. <laughs> or if you're immediately siblings, <laughs> then you're definitely the werewolf. I know it's not just you two, because when we play with my sisters as well, it's always straight away accusing each other. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's like, oh, can I get you a cup of tea? Oh, that sounds like something a werewolf would say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Thirsty like a wolf. <laughs> Kira, there are some games like charades and code names that use both silence and discussion, usually where one person is silent and the rest are openly discussing. What are your thoughts on these? These are my favorite type of games where silence is used as a mechanic. So Mysterium and Dixit are two of the big ones, but there's absolutely loads. I think we, we've also played like Deception in Hong Kong and a bunch of others, but Mysterium is actually only one that we took up during the pandemic. So we've only played online ever. And I think it works really, really well. We play a lot of the uh, the games with people we know for a really long time, like Dixit, Dixit, where we've played that with like family a lot. I guess because it's a real family friendly sort of game and it is brilliant trying to speculate on what other people are thinking based on every single thing that you've ever known about that person. So you could see a picture, Kate would have like a picture of like a a book or something and there'll be layers to it where people would have to guess all the different things. But in Mysterium, we were playing with people we didn't know that well, as well as people we knew really well. And it was all like, uh, that knight looks a bit like he'd be in a chess set. And this is why he must link to this guy who had a chess piece in his in his picture or like all those deep layers or things that you know about the person. Like, oh, like one time we were, we're on a football pitch and something happened and this is what I have to link to it. I think those things are really, really interesting. It kind of like reminds you of all those good times that you remember with your friends. So that's amazing. And then you get to discuss it. But the best bit is when the other person has no idea what the hell the clue was meant to be. And after it's their go and they're allowed to talk again, there's a big like discussion where they go, well, obviously it was this because 
10 years ago, we had this thing and this happened and you were supposed to remember that. And you're like, I have no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that event did not recognize or did not register in my in my life at all. I don't even know what you're talking about. And they had this whole convoluted reason and you're trying to figure out what they're thinking. And I love that. And then like when a per- when you're talking about another person and everyone else at the table is allowed to discuss what they were thinking. It is it is just so much fun to go, well, you know, like they kind of are like this, uh, you know, they have kind of an whatever type of personality. So this picture probably means this to them and you've got it completely wrong or you've got it completely right and no one else believes you. That sort of debate is amazing. Yeah, but like I think what's mildly infuriating about those types of games is, you know, every now and again you'll get someone who's perfectly on your wavelength, like this bleeding Batman thing. But <laughs> like they, where they just get the clues, they'll know exactly what you're talking about, but it is infuriating when you are sitting there quietly and you give like a, you give a great clue. Like you're in code names, they've got one left and you're like, Apple for one, and they just have to pick the word fruit. It's right there in front of them, <laughs> but you have to sit there silently while they go, well, there was an apple in Snow White, and Snow White lived with dwarves, and the dwarves were miners, and they mined diamonds, so it must be gemstone. <laughs> and they immediately lose the game, and you're like, <laughs> come on, guys, that was a long walk for a short drink of water, and you have really thrown that one away. Or even worse, even worse, when you're playing a game like Codenames and you give a brilliant clue, or concept, actually, I'm going to go with concept, because concept is one that drives me mental because you are just giving clues with little pictures and people are trying to figure out what you talk what you're talking about and you have given the most obvious clue in the world like you've gone for fast blue animal and then the like subsequent clue you give is like collects yellow rings and you know it's sonic you know it's sonic it couldn't be anything else but sonic and you're watching the team go blue animal what, bl- what animal is blue elephant I'm going to go with elephant. And then they just run down a track of elephant and there's no getting them back from it. There's no, it's a runaway train and you're just like, you're putting up no elephant or no big animal and they're just going, so it's a small elephant. And you're like, no, come back, come back. We were, we were back. When, we, when we did that uh, concept game though, it wasn't so fact, the fact it was elephant that were going down. There is no blue animals. <laughs> you know? I also had fictional in there. Like. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the fictional. <laughs> I think I think that that is the challenge of those games though that's the best bit there's no game without that element of it I don't I, like I don't want to play a game that's just raising my blood pressure to dangerous <laughs> levels where you're going yeah and werewolf is exactly that yeah I think you might be getting frustration from people not getting things right whereas there's some other people in like in Mysterium they might just be sitting back and going these guys are not getting it. This is brilliant. This is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like when I tell them what it is, yeah. they're going to just kick themselves. It's going to be great. Yeah, I, maybe I just don't get the frustration because I like the like that. That's the best bit of it is like trying to get a difficult conversation. Like otherwise you wouldn't pick the hard clues, right? Sonic the Hedgehog wasn't a hard clue. <laughs> Kira, so an escape curse of the temple. Players are frantically communicating with one another as they escape the temple. It is a great feeling when the plan comes together and everyone wins. Do you think the downside of the frantic communication is worth it for the potential group win? I don't think that that game could be played silently. I think that there's a certain amount of, like Magic Maze really pushes on the how frantic your silent game can be. Like they came up with some clever clever mechanics to allow it because everyone can only do one sort of... Repeatedly hammering to do something. (laughs) (laughs) They, they They can only 
control one aspect. So it has to work together. But in, in Curse of the Temple, I think that if you made that a silent game and you didn't have the frantic communication, people are going to play it as a solo game. Like the, what you don't want in a co-op game is to just alienate people so they do their own little mission and they don't care about the, the group element. Because then it's, then you might as well be competitive. The thing is, if you're trying to, if you're stopping in a room and collecting 10 keys and somebody else has to come in and join you, if you don't have some way to to say that that's what you're doing, they've got their own thing going on and they don't help. They, you don't, they don't know that you're stuck somewhere. Telling people that you have the yellow monkey or the, is it the yellow monkey or the yellow side on the dice and they can undo two of their black dice. No one would convey that quick enough. It would be 10 minutes is too short an amount of time. I think there are limits to what the, the silent game part can actually do. But I do think the frantic communication is, it's really enjoyable in Escape. I, I don't, or Escape Curse of the Temple. I think that you wouldn't improve that by bringing in that sort of mechanic. Because I think there's a time and place for silent games and a time and place for frantic communication games. I don't think one should always happen. But I do think that they, I really enjoy something about the silent element. I just don't think it'd play it in, in Escape. Yeah, Curse of the Temple. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's pretty crazy playing that game. The amount of yelling and just people saying things all over the time, all over each other, trying to Funnily convey enough, things. I actually think playing that game silently would make for a, an interesting difficulty upage to it because you'd have to be looking at other people's dice as well as your own. You couldn't just go, ah, I'm stuck, all black things. You just stop rolling and waiting for people to figure it out. But you could be stuck for ages. Yeah, like... Don't play with very self-centered people. <laughs> <laughs> it's really tricky because like, I'll be like, oh, I can see Kira struggling over there. So I want to go over and help. Oh, I'm stuck now. <laughs> so it can be very much, a, this is getting out of hand quickly. But I do think there'll be less co-op in it. I think that yeah. you would. You'd play a very solo game. Yeah, yeah. You, I think that, and, and that would take away from it. Brian, I'm going to ask you the kind of opposite question. <laughs> so the satisfaction you get in a silent board game when someone else is on your wavelength and understands what you're trying to communicate is pr- a really good feeling. Do you think that feeling is worth it for the downsides of silence? Uh, like, I, uh, it's really fun when you are playing the silent person in a game and you give a great clue and everyone knows what you're talking about and it just works really well. It's so satisfying. But that happens like 1% of the time. <laughs> the other 99% of the time you're going, you're giving great clues that you think are so obvious. And like, what, oh God, what's infuriating is when you're playing, like you're giving a clue and code names to like five people and one person gets you immediately. They're like, I definitely think it's this one. And you just watch them getting drowned out by the other four people who have gone off on these mad tangents and have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. And then at the end of the game, you're like, why didn't you listen to them? They knew what they were talking about. They got me. They got me, but I can't say anything. It's so annoying. But whereas, you know, if you can give clues or you can hint at stuff, you know, it, it's great fun or to be able to, I, don't, I know code names probably won't work if you can go, that one. <laughs> <laughs> this is in this area. <laughs> that could be part of the thing as well, like especially with concept and charades. Obviously, we play a lot of concepts online, so it's, it's difficult to see people. But, you know, charades is quite funny when you're trying to guess what someone has drawn and they're just going mad as they're pointing rapidly at the picture. <laughs> Say, why don't you get this? <laughs> I think that's dictionary. Yeah, you can confuse <laughs> dictionary. dictionary and charades. Charades is where you're, you're like, d- mind it's it. like two words. Oh, to is it? oh, okay. Yeah, in my head, dictionary's always got they're, the... They're both kind of the same thing, but one is drawing, one is 
<laughs> flailing your arms. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just always thinking of the Simpsons episode where Millhouse's dad tries to draw right. something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um. All I'd say is, Brian, have you ever thought that maybe you're bad at giving clues? <laughs> I am amazing at giving clues. We discussed the fast blue and fast blue imaginary animal who collects golden rings. You guys are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you thought you said, but that's not what came across. <laughs> you guys just ran down a rabbit hole. No. And I can only click no to so many of your guesses. <laughs> I think I think you'll find that it wasn't quite as straightforward as that. <laughs> <laughs> There's also like a lot of blue animals in like you know Whales animations and, and stuff like that. <laughs> but like in real ones, yeah. Dolphins and things. They're all I don't blue. know. They're you come back and gray. forth from oh there's no uh, there's no real blue animals and now all of a sudden there's loads of real blue animals. <laughs> and birds. You see loads of blue birds. <laughs> listeners, do you see what I'm dealing with? <laughs> I just I just think it wasn't as good, <laughs> as great as you think it was. <laughs> I think I nailed it. <laughs> A lot of pros and cons for both sounds and loudness. Yeah, I totally agree. Both cool concepts, though. So I think it's time now for the closing statements. Kira, do you have any final thoughts on communicating in board games, whether it's silence or yelling? Yeah, I think that having silence in a board game can be a really fun mechanic to bring in. I think that it's especially fun if you use some sort of alternative means of communication. So like in Crew, where you have the little token that you can push to symbolize whether it's a high card or a low card or magic maze where you have to like tap that little action icon. I think having an alternative form of communication makes it a game even better because it still gives you the freedom to get over that frustration, but it also lets you try something new and try something different. I think that maybe playing silent games all night might end up terribly because you won't get a chance to talk, but um I love having a, a different element to make it a, a, something different and having to work away your way around having that block. So you have to try something new. I really enjoy it. And then uh, I re- yell really loudly. So um, people give out when I yell a lot. So I'm not a big fan of loud games because I just get a lot of hassle. So you're, you're high pitched. It's not that you're loud. It's that your voice travels through. It's so, <laughs> so like, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I'm lost in a crowded train station. Perfect. Brian. Oh, oh I know where Kira is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And people can always hear me in supermarkets when, when they're trying to find what aisle I'm in. <laughs> does have its perks, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's <laughs> to digress. Uh, Brian, do you have any final thoughts on communicating in board games? Yeah, I like, I, I do agree with you to some extent, you know, silence and different kind of communication methods and stuff like that are good fun. Like, I, I really enjoy concept and games like that where you, you do have to think about it and you do have to kind of come up with clever new little ways of conveying ideas. It is good fun, but... I, I just think the silence in games takes away from it that you can't, you know, you can't discuss, you can't, you know, you're waiting until the end of the game to talk about how much fun it was or how good it was. You can't like, go, oh, that was an amazing move. Great. I really enjoyed that because, you know, maybe you're giving clues away. Like I said, with with kind of new players or players who haven't played the game before, it can be a little bit alienating. And, you know, not always. Some people just pick up the game brilliantly. But, you know, if you're halfway through the game and something has happened, you don't really know why, and now you think you've completely misunderstood everything, and you can kind of sit there feeling lost, and it's hard to get back into or get involved in the game, so by the time it's over, by the time it's over you like you haven't enjoyed it because you don't know what's happening. Like I think the likes of, you know, games where you can 
do deals and you can banter with people and you can strike alliances and stuff like that against other people is great because it it adds like a little bit of camaraderie and you know you can have good fun the whole way through and stuff like that but when you're when you're playing a game where you're just discussing everything at the end i feel like it takes away from it a little bit like they are they are great things and maybe it's just that a whole night of silent games wouldn't really work but clever bluffs and strategies and things like that that people do mid-game when you can talk about it is great fun because you can be like oh that was really good and then maybe you can learn from it and go oh, I'm gonna pull the old own maneuver here and do the same thing again but if you if you're just sitting there silently putting down one card after another or pointing at someone's card and going that's blue I just feel like you're not getting as much enjoyment out of it as as is possible I like how one of the uh, reasons you have said is so that you can comment and say, oh, that was such a great move. Whereas, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen you play, but it's usually like, uh, don't take my goddamn castle. <laughs> play in another forum, is it? <laughs> okay, okay. So maybe I painted myself here as a real uh, supporter of my opponents. It's like, how dare you? How dare you come up into my business? <laughs> but, but commenting on people's news is kind of fun, but it's yeah. not It's not always like a, a raising positive Well remark. done. Good job. Good show, old chap. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's a very fair point. <laughs> uh, that pretty much wraps it up for this debate. Did your opinion change on silence and board games? Does it make you want to play a silent game? If you enjoyed it, share it. We've been decking out some games. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye. Bye.